This was never about money for us. It was about us against the system. That system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something. To those dead souls inching along the freeways in their metal coffins, we show them that the human spirit is still alive. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, Cigar Store Idiots. I am Rob Arlo, and Cousin John, you have the night off today. So uh, I have I have a very special guest I have in here I'm going to introduce here in just a second. Um, I want you guys to please remember uh, we no longer have the website. The website's gone, and the reason we got rid of the website was the simple fact that we have an Amazon storefront now, and we are able to sell everything that we had on the website uh, plus a bunch of other things are available for you guys now too. So if you would, you can go to our Instagram, go, the link is in the bio to the Amazon storefront. Uh, you can still get your wild bill sodas. You can get your Duke cannon supply. You can still get kill cliffs. You can get every single thing that we're working with right now. Blackout coffee, uh, life cycle, mushroom tinctures, all that good stuff is there and it's available for you. So, and don't forget Christmas is coming. Uh, so go ahead and start knocking out some of that Christmas list now. Uh, and without uh, any further ado, I want to introduce uh, our guest in tonight, sir. If you would tell everybody who you are and and what's going on. <laughs> yeah, my name is Mark Cochran. Thanks for having me. I'm a, a city commissioner in Ward One, and uh, I'm an architect by trade. And graduated Pepperell High School in '93 with you. Yeah, we did. Yeah, a, a gazillion years ago. Golly, so. yeah. My knees tell me that every morning. Man, I I was making a joke the other day. I said something about how um like uh. I sound like a bowl of Rice Krispies when I get out of the bed now. Like every single thing is snap cracking and popping on my body. So it's, it's terrible. And I had another guy, he, uh, we had a, I had a sales meeting and one of the guys I worked with, he's a little younger than me. And, uh, he was telling me about his car. He's like, well, I started doing this and started doing that. And, um, we were talking and I said, yeah, I said, wait till you get up 49 years old. And then you start having that conversation. Just like, you're not talking about a car. You're talking about your beat up ragged body. Like oh, I yeah, did. That, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. My, yeah, my knees, my shoulders, my elbows, my neck. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty I, much I have a plate for most of those in case yeah. you need any surgery. I know, <laughs> I know a couple of doctors I could point your way. So uh, I'm good so far. Right. I'm going to hold out as long as I can. Yeah, always put that off if you can. So uh, before we get any further, let's get into this because because uh, it just needs to be talked about. On today's what the Florida. You know, I just look at these and go, could this even be real? A Florida man was driving a vehicle missing two tires. He was pulled over by law enforcement and uh, allegedly uh, paranormal activity was responsible. He had Andres Montalegro, 29, was stopped outside an Interstate 75 ramp near Marion Oaks uh, on October the 23rd. 4 a.m. We always say on the show, anything in Florida that's going on after 12 is, is, is nothing good's going on. <laughs> so, um, he, uh, he got pulled over because he had two tires that were deflated. Um, the police asked him about the damages on his vehicle and he told the, the deputies that someone had put a curse on him, which had caused his car to, uh, crash into a curb and bust both of the tires. He said it was a do or die choice. Either I could drive home without tires or I'd have to set this car on fire to kill the spirit in it. And then I would have to sleep in the median and it's all on body camera footage. So 
Sleeping in, sleep in the sleep median. In a median, yeah. yeah That's well, safe. Yeah. I mean, it's Florida. It's warm, at least. <laughs> you strap a hammock between the guardrails <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, they had asked him to perform a sobriety. They asked him to comply to a sobriety test, and he began to curse them and said he was insulted, that he claimed that he tried to explain to them that his car was from, uh, the damage was paranormal, paranormal activity, and that he was not going to take it. Somebody put a curse on me. That's what he said. That's what he said. Um, if you mess with me right now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to break your head open with a baseball bat, and then I'm going to skin you alive. That's kind of not the conversation you want to have with police officers. No, not so, really. No. Um, so they attempted to take him into custody. He spit on him. He cursed him. Uh, he kicked at him. Um, he actually fought him. I had to take several of them to get him in uh, back into the patrol car. Um, he faces up to 25 and a half years behind bars. And he is being held on a twenty-seven thousand dollars bond. So that that got that escalated quickly. When uh, <laughs> what was he on? Did it say what he was? On? Uh, he was under the influence of alcohol. He was. Uh, but usually these Florida stories, um, nobody's driving a car if they're on bath salts. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what there's usually that came to mind there's, bath salts, there's yeah. usually missing clothes, right? And they're walking. Uh, with a machete, even and a cowboy hat on, we've had one of those stories. So, um, but yeah, that's Florida, uh, and things get crazy there. But let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in our hometown, yeah, in Rome, Georgia. Uh, and uh, if you would kind of give give everybody your background and kind of what you do right now, and sure. then what got you started, uh, wanting to get in the political side of things and run for you know county commissioner and all those good things. So, uh. I started out, I went to Georgia Southern after graduating from Pepperell and got a degree in construction management. I found myself doodling more than than estimating in class. And so I graduated, came back to Rome, uh, started in the construction world and uh, decided that I would want to do architecture instead of construction. So I went back and got my master's degree at a uh, university in uh, San Diego. Okay. And uh, that was a lot of fun. San Diego is a lot different, but uh, their weather's much nicer. Their weather there. is much nicer. The easiest job in the world is the weatherman in San <laughs> no Diego. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful every day. Yeah. Uh, and uh, came back, started my own architecture firm, and I've been doing that since 2010. Yeah. So it's been a wild ride. Uh, you know, heck, I, I, when I first started out, I didn't have any customers, any clients. I worked at the technical college at night teaching drafting. Okay. And uh, slowly built up a good clientele, and now I, I do work for everybody from uh, Barry College. I did for a long time did Floyd Medical Center's work um, until they switched over to Atrium. Uh, won an international award for uh, some of the work at Barry College, and uh, yeah, I do work all over. So cool, man! Yeah, it's fun. That's awesome. It's fun. So I um I know that the architect side of things, man, like. That's a that's another a whole another level of smarts when no, you're able to no, do no, those no. things. <laughs> like I I do good to draw a stick house, you know, uh, but drawing plans out for a big building and things like that, and I can I can't even imagine what well, all goes into that. Thank God computers can draw straight lines because I'm not a, I'm not a good artist at that, all. You know, the funny thing is when we had our roofing company, uh, people wouldn't understand. They'd be like, "Aren't you going to get on our roof and measure it?" And I'm like, "No, I'm going to order an eagle view." 
And so I get an image, like satellite image, and it measures out the whole house. Like oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we just, I mean, Gable's everything. It, it measured everything out. So we were able to give them a quote like right on the spot. Did yeah. they pull that off Google? Google? Or I'm not drone sure. Or? Uh, well, it's a, it's a program that we use called okay. Eagle View. And so I, I, it's like, I guess, a satellite that takes the imagery and does it. And there's another one that uh, Travelers uses, which is a great company if you need homeowner's insurance. Um, they would take... Uh, each corner of the house, they would take a picture of front, each side, uh, front and back, and then, you know, left and right side of the house. And then, uh, they, I guess it would shoot down, uh, and get the, get the top part of the house. And I mean, that program is, was precise. Like it was really? never wrong. Like I never had an issue ever when, uh, we would do, uh, when they would order them. That's I mean, amazing. it was always on point every single time. So I just yeah. knew the pitch. It was always. It's perfect. So, but cool. it's amazing. Like you said, that computers, uh, it's amazing what they can do and uh, how far technologies come with the, with those things. Yeah, it's it's neat. We uh, When I first started out, when I graduated from uh, Southern, I didn't know how to use CAD. And so I had to kind of teach myself. And, you know, basically AutoCAD is you draw a line and it represents a two-dimensional. Um, you draw a two-dimensional line to represent a three-dimensional concept, right? Well, now they've got something called BIM which stands for building information modeling. So what we'll do is we'll actually model the whole building. And then from the model, the computer will pull the elevations and the floor plan. It'll tag the doors, the windows. If you move a door, it'll, it'll change the dimension for you. It'll update it on the door schedule, update it on the window schedule. That's unbelievable. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's like- crazy. It, it saves so much time. And the program's expensive and it's a little bit complex, but it saves so much time. I was about to say over like the time that you save is, is you're saving a ton of money Yeah, when you're saving the time. Yeah. So yeah, you can do other things. So, so what got you wanting to get into, uh, to be a commissioner? Yeah. So that was, uh, I, I don't know. There were, there was, there was a couple of different things that I saw going on in the city that I just really wasn't happy with. And at the end of the day, I, I, I kept on talking to a lot of people whose kids left. And when they left, they didn't come back. Right. Because there's nothing, for, no form to do here, right? There's just, there's not a, a, there's not an ecosystem for young professionals mm-hmm. or just young people in general. And so I have a 14-year-old son, an 11-year-old son. And I was like, you know what? I want to help create a city that they would be proud to come back to. And so that's kind of idealistic and foolish. You know, it's like, oh, you know, maybe I can change a few things and, um, it's been a pain in the butt really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine dealing with anything like that yeah. would be, uh, there's lots of, lots of chiefs in the room. Yeah, I guess. there <laughs> are, there are, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been eye opening. It's been good. I've learned a lot and, you know, there are still things that we can do to make this town great, to bring our children back or want, you know, make sure they don't want to leave to start with. Right. And that's just me being selfish. You know, if my kids want to go off and move wherever, they're welcome to. Look, but. I'm telling you, when, you know, my son's 22 now, and he, he still lives in Rome. And I would tell him, and even my, my, my stepdaughter's 16, I'm like, y'all have no idea how Rome was when I was your age. Like, there literally was nothing to do here. So I think our town grew up a good bit when we got the baseball team in, when the Braves came in. We we had a lot of stuff going on. The hospitals got bigger. Yeah. They were able to take on more things. We had a cancer center. Uh, I mean, heart. Uh, I mean, it's just like there's, there's a lot of, like, specific niche-type uh, medical field things going on here, too. Um, the colleges, the universities, I mean – Rome grew up a ton. 
It really did. But like I said, like, you know, you're, you and I were talking about before we even got started. I mean, there's, there's so many other revenues, not, I hate to say revenues, but there's other things that will bring revenue in and help grow up our town too. You know, I hate to make everything about money, but the bottom line is a lot of it's, it's about money. majority of it's about money. Well, so. and it's, you know, it, it's not like it's my money or, or your money. It's everybody's money. It's right. taxpayers money. And right. that's, you know, that's the most important kind of money because at the end of the day, you really don't have a, you know, you have to pay it. Yeah. Right. If, <laughs> death and taxes. That's, that's a saying for a reason, right? That's exactly right. So I always said the IRS was the only people that could put Al Capone in jail. So <laughs> nobody else could. Nobody else could. He couldn't buy off the IRS. So, um, so there was a, there was a thing that happened and you have to tell me how, how long ago sure. it was. It was it two years ago or a year ago you, you got investigated. So, and kind of, te- kind of go over. Yeah, how how yeah. that all shook down. So there was a meeting, uh, just a regular city commission meeting on January the 23rd of this year. Okay. And during that meeting, uh, somebody had come up and was trying to get a piece of property rezoned for the second time. The first time they had asked to rezone the piece of property to do a subdivision. And the second time they actually came up and asked to rezone the property into a multifamily, so like apartments. The first time they actually came came up and said, you know, we want to turn this into a subdivision. And, you know, they had a track record in a previous subdivision of building quick, nice, affordable homes. They were like, heck yeah, man, go for it. We That's what we desperately need right now. Right. And the amount of red tape that this particular developer had to go through was just, in my opinion, was absurd. It wasn't the first time or the only time, and as far as I can tell, it continues to happen. Uh, we we have a a land development code that's called the ULDC. That's kind of what it's abbreviated for. It stands for the Unified Land Development Code. The city and the county both use the same document, although there's like a little bit of a changes between the two. But essentially, it dictates everything that you have to do if you want to build a subdivision or zone a piece of property or setbacks or parking or landscaping or anything like that. Well, that document is just at its core. It's just an anti-growth document. It was developed, it was, it was developed in right around 1999 or 2000. And I think the boilerplate for the document came from like Forsyth or Gwinnett. So they just has nothing to do with, nothing with our do county. With, no. And it's, it made it almost impossible to get anything built, mm-hmm. which if you look at the number of houses that were built pre-2000 in Floyd County versus post-2000 after this thing was adopted, it drops off a cliff, right? In 2008, 2009, 2010, certainly didn't help any. But if you look at every single six, well, not every single one, but the majority of successful cities in America right now, they're all mid-sized southern cities. Huntsville, Columbus, Greenville, Athens, Chattanooga, Savannah, Right. I mean, they're just they're blowing up. They're right. getting industry. They're getting tech. They're getting uh, houses. They're getting apartments. They're just, you know, they can't keep up with the growth. And I'm sitting here going, well, Rome is not as big as those, but we're pretty darn close in a couple of cases. Right. Why aren't we getting anything? And that was the thing I wanted to ask you, too. Why what's what is the reasoning behind kind of stifling the growth that for it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense to me. So, so. I don't I don't know. I wasn't uh I don't know why they adopted that particular document back, you know, 20 something years ago. Uh, but I do know the effect of it. And it's that, you know, we just, 
developers come and, you know, we, we can't kid ourselves. Big developers talk to other big developers. And when somebody gives them a hard time and they turn around and tell their buddies, hey, you know, by the way, if you go to that town, you very well might run into a hard time. And then they, you know, they just don't go here. Now, the right. interesting thing is the county uh, is, is fairly, the county has done a, a very good job. If you want to build a subdivision and you go to the county, you're going to be okay as long as you don't have to have city water and sewer. Which goes right back into goes right back problem. into the same problem. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, I I voiced my opinion on a whole bunch of those issues on January the 23rd, and apparently I inadvertently kicked a hornet's nest mm. when I did that, and so. Uh, a bunch of city employees got mad and they convinced the city manager and the city attorney to investigate me. They hired a third party of attorney out of a Cartersville. Wow. And I was investigated for all kinds of stuff. Um, like disrespecting the city manager. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the, your tax dollars were wasted on investigating as to whether or not I disrespected the city manager. Wow. Um, some other things were, uh, you know, the, was did I have all my facts straight about about uh, all the questioning that I, I did that night about the development? But the one that really upset me more than anything was two or a week before I had gone to basically it's a continuing education thing for city commissioners, and it's put on by a group called the Georgia Municipal Association, and they have a big meeting in Atlanta every year in January. And they have all these experts come from UGA and they teach all these classes about, you know, how should your public works department run? How about your water and sewer? You know, how about finances? So I took one of the finance classes and I took it on a Saturday and it was a six hour long class. And, you know, I don't know, I guess I got a little bit of nerd in me for finance. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I found the class fascinating to the point where I like I took notes of pretty much everything the guy said. And as he was going through, he's like, go back to your city, ask this question. Go back to your city. Ask this question. This is a best practice. Go back to your city. Ask this question. So long story short, I got 40 questions written down out of the class that this guy taught. And I went back and I asked him. And I was actually investigated about whether or not I was allowed to ask finance questions. And I was the chair of the finance committee <laughs> if, at the if time. You, if you couldn't ask it, who then who is the who right the guy? supposed to, right? Yeah. So <laughs> to ask. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I don't really know what else to say. Yeah, a literally city employee had me investigated for asking questions about tax dollars and finances. And, you know, like you would think just me being an outsider looking in, you would think when those questions are asked, people would freely want to give you that information because there's not an issue. Like, mm-hmm. oh, sure. I mean, like, yeah, let's take a look at it, whatever questions you have. Yeah. When yeah. they when they don't do that, then well, that's when you can, like, I remember I worked somewhere before, and they're like, oh, we got our, our finances or open book policy. If you think there's a discrepancy on your paycheck, you know, feel free to just ask them. We'll, we'll, take, it, we'll take a look at it together. Uh, and, and it's all cool and fine and dandy until you have a question and you ask, and then they're like, well, I can't believe you thought that I would – you know, cheat oh, you out of yeah, money yeah and, and so yeah, well, show me where you didn't and then we'll, <laughs> it'll be cool we'll be fine <laughs> well and let me take an aside out to say i'm not i'm not claiming that anybody has stolen any money sure. i'm not claiming that anybody has done anything wrong with the taxpayers dollars i'm not saying that 
there's any kind of fraud or any kind of deception going on whatsoever. I think our city employees uh, have a very difficult job, and they do a real good job at uh, with what they have. Uh, but what I find unacceptable is the unwillingness to be free and transparent and uh, accountable yeah. with money that's not ours. Because essentially you guys are all on the same team. We're supposed to. You got to work together to, to to for the common good of our community. Yeah, that's that's the whole reason. There's a there's a county commissioner. So. Yeah, supposed to be. So so there's not there's none of us on the city commission. And and what happened is I uh, when I was investigated, they asked me to step down from the finance committee. So I did it. I probably shouldn't have, but I did it, and I stepped down from public works. And, uh, and so I've just kind of been free floating along. I've, I, I did, I was on the library board, but I actually wound up designing, uh, doing a, a little bit of library work for uh, the city of Cedartown. So I actually recused myself from that board because I didn't want a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's more or less it, man. So I just been kind of, you know, floating in the wind for, you know, 10 months. And it was, it was back, back at the beginning of October, after the whole ethics thing came out and uh, the city. And it city, was publicly out oh there. Like, like I thought you had uh, kidnapped small children it, and it, were hiding them in a, in a basement it, somewhere. It, you know what? I, I mean, mean, I'm serious. No, I, I know. Like, what what I, it was awful. I was like, this is not the guy. Like, I don't know what what the end game is on all of this, but I was like, he's about as you know straight as an arrow as I know. Like, well, know. and they tried to, you know, the city, certain city employees I was told wanted me to resign. I had one city commissioner come up to me after a meeting and say, look, we'll pay all your attorney's fees and you won't even have to apologize to the employees. Just quit tomorrow. Wow. And I'm like, are you serious? Wow. I didn't do anything wrong. There's yeah. no way in hell I'm quitting. And then when you do that, you just, that's just an admission of guilt. Yeah. And then they can turn that on you, make yeah. you look any way they want to. So, so they dragged Good for you. They right? dragged it out about nine months, and it's I, I don't have the final attorney fee, but so far I've paid about ninety six thousand dollars in attorney's fees to you know get my name back. Yeah, and so eventually the ethics complaint was dropped, um, and you know admitted that never did anything wrong. And are they prepared for? Well, so part of the part of the agreement with getting them to drop it was uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't sue. Okay. So because I was fully planning to, and so yeah, I dropped all that. They dropped theirs, and uh, so, and now you guys have to see each other and be all cordial with each you know, other. Now. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's tough, man. That's it's a tough hard spot to be in, and uh, all in the middle of a reelection. And I'd only intended on going one term mm-hmm. because. I don't like politics. Sure. I really don't. Anybody that listens to this show knows we, <laughs> we as in me. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely hate politics. Well, so. I did it. I did it for my kids and maybe that was a stupid sure. reason to nah, do man, it. No, man, I don't think it was. I don't think it was. But, uh, so I had only intended on running one time and then they just, they just pressed all the wrong buttons. And you know what? At the end of the day, I was sitting there looking at my kids and going, well, I can back down and quit. And show my kids that you give in to a bunch of bullies. Mm-hmm. Or I can stand up, look them in the face, and say, you know, 
Yep. <laughs> I don't want to say it. <laughs> you can well, you can say whatever you want to yeah, on this yeah. thing. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, that's just showing my showing my boys that you, yeah. you know you don't. Back, especially if you didn't do anything wrong, you don't right. back down. Yeah, you know that's just a bunch of crap. I'm not gonna do that. I agree with you one hundred percent on that. So I think uh, I think that I would have been the same way. It's uh, there's a cup. Where is it? There's a that coffee mug down there that says "Tears of My Enemies." <laughs> Yeah, I see it. I see it. And I've I've stayed hydrated on that coffee mug for years, so it's fine. So I I completely understand well, where you're coming from with that. So, yeah. um, as far as these questions goes, like you, you, we, I believe we're looking at maybe like thirty five, forty some odd yeah, questions. Yeah, forty questions. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and what I'll do, um, I will ask the question, and then I'll let you give give yeah. uh, both parties. Okay. Uh, if that, is that fair with you? Yeah, that's again? that's fair. If if people can if people can handle 40, 40 finance questions, it, are you? Do you want to pick the the ones that, the main ones? Is there there's like no no? I mean, I think they're all. I mean, they're. I'm going to tell you, if people in Rome, Georgia, is listening to this, they probably want to hear all forty questions. Okay, well, let's so. go for it. Um, when was the last time we amended our purchasing policy? So that was the question I asked, and and the the uh, answer the administration gave was the current policy was adopted by the full city commission in June of 2020. What it doesn't mention is the last time that our purchasing policy was updated was 1980. Oh, wow. And the best practices for updating purchasing policies is every three to five years. And we went 40, 40 years. 40. 40. 40 years. 40 years. Um, what is the dollar amount on the city uh, that the city requires an open bid process? And, and then on this one, I kind of just – if you can break it down for somebody like me, kind of like what the questions that we're asking here, what is that? What is, what is that affecting? Sure. On those questions. Sure. So, um, an open bid process is the, the theory behind it is you, you put it out there on public, you post it on the website and it just ensures that everybody has a fair shake at bidding on a job. So sometimes every, so I'll, I'll, I'll say this as an architect, every time that I have worked with a city or a county, a commissioner, a city commissioner or a county commissioner or council person has always had some input into the selection process. Now, if it's for a, a contract for construction or say you're trying to buy a car or something like that, the lowest qualified bidder is the one who wins, supposedly. Um, and that, as far as I can tell, that's exactly what happens at the city. There's, as far as I can tell, there's nothing wrong with that. Gotcha. But the city commission, which is supposed to provide checks and balances to the administration, I, as far as I know, has, has never been involved in any of that. So they, they really don't, is they don't know that it's the lowest qualified bid? Well, or? by law, it has to be the lowest qualified bid, but what, so as an example, Let's say that we're picking a landscape architect to design a park. Well, a city commissioner can come up with the idea of the park. They can bring it to the city manager, and the city manager can tell the purchasing department to go out for bids to find a landscape architect, and landscape architects can come by. Now, professional services like lawyers, engineers, landscape architects, architects, and everything, you don't have to go with the lowest qualified bidder on that. So a lot of times... People will interview them just to see who they like to work with. Gotcha. And every time I've interviewed for a job, except for the city of Rome, I've always sat there and talked to at least one or two city councilmen or county council people. Mm -hmm. And that just doesn't happen in the city at all. Wow. 
Yeah. It's in during the design process and all that commissioners aren't involved. We're just kind of, we're a glorified and I know this is going to upset some, some people, but that's okay. We are a glorified group of rubber stampers in a lot of ways. And they're, you know, if you want good checks and balances, not just on your finances, but just how the city is run, that is not the way to do it. Right. That is not the way. That's not good government. It's not representative government. Right. So anyway, so that's that's the uh, the thing about the open bid process. Most cities have put it up to $100,000 to $20,000 it is an old number. Uh, we still have it there, but most cities have it at $100,000 because, heck, you can barely buy it. You know, a, tr- a truck now for a hundred thousand dollars. Oh right? yeah, for sure. You're not, yeah, you're not getting nothing with $20,000. Like it's uh especially the way things have, uh, the way things have just kind of materials have exploded in prices and yeah, it's, it's milk, bread, everything, every single thing, everything. Dude. Like I, it's so funny. Uh, Brittany and I'll send, uh, recipes to each other, like off of, uh, like I guess Instagram reels or TikTok reels or whatever food we like to try. So she had sent me one. It was a butternut squash, um, Brussels sprouts. You roast them in the oven, and then you uh, make this little slurry with maple syrup and um, butter and pecans and, like, cranber- dried cranberries. You're making me hungry. <laughs> Dude, it was so good. It, uh, of course, mine was not as pretty as it was in the video, but uh, but just that little bit of – I told her, I was like, this cost $55. Holy cow. This butternut squash, these Brussels – these pecans, these craisins, cran ra- cranberry raisins, craisins. Um, yeah, man. 55 bucks. Yeah, and olive oil. Yeah, 55 bucks. Golly. Yeah. And I was like, man, oof, that hurt. That's nuts. <laughs> it was. It was crazy. So um, on the next question, we got, uh, what contract amount can the city manager sign without a commission approval? So the answer from the administration was no limit if included in the approved budget. If not budgeted or over budget, department completes a non-budgeted capital form for the overage and the funding. This request must be approved by the division director, city manager, and finance director. And so you'll notice in all the people that approve the budget or you know approve non-budgeted capital, the city commission is not ever mentioned. So the guy that was teaching the class said that the highest spending limit of any city manager that he was aware of was in Sandy Springs, and that was $250,000. We have no spending limit for our city manager. There there isn't one. You can spend whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there is no spending. So the way that contracts work in in a normal city, I would say the 99% of cities, is – you know, if we need to buy a new truck and it costs sixty thousand dollars, and the spending limit of the city manager is fifty thousand dollars, the contract to buy the truck or the purchasing order to buy the truck comes back in front of the commission, and we vote it up or down. And if if we vote it up, then we get to buy the truck, and if we don't, then the truck doesn't get bought. Mm-hmm. That process is completely left out at the city room. They just they just buy it. it. They just buy it. They just buy it. And the thing about the budget, we're not involved in the budget process. Most cities, you know, have a couple of retreats or they have a committee that works on the budget all year long. We don't do that. We, we are essentially, this is a rubber stamp and I was talking about, we're essentially handed the budget and we look at it and I tried to get some changes made last year and it was, it was almost impossible to do. 
And because we were left out of the process and we voted up and down and there you go. That's it. So it's how, whoever really, how, whoever wants it done, get, gets it done. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and the budget for the city is normally around $28 million and that's not counting water and sewer. Water and sewer this year's budget was $49 million. So goodness gracious. Yeah. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And, and you know, it's uh, That's we, a lot of millions. We have a general fund, kind of like a, a rainy day fund for lack of better terms. Mm-hmm. that has about $28 million in it. And, uh, and the water and sewer fund has about $24 million in it. So, man, wow. You're talking millions M- like and millions, millions of, dollars. of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Millions Ten, of ta- tens of millions of dollars, tens of millions of taxpayer dollars. That have hardly any controls over it. Yeah, that's uh, a recipe for disaster if you're not careful. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, it, it blows my mind. Um, we have uh, a next question is uh, what is the city manager's maximum spending limit? We kind of just, we kind of went over that. Yeah. Um, uh, are there any purchasing contracts required to be signed by the mayor or reviewed by city commission? Not on a normal basis. If included in the approved budget, this would not be required. If something non-budgeted and large in scope, this might need approval by the commission. And I'm honestly trying to think of something that wasn't a federal project or a state project that absolutely requires approval from the city commission. Come back before us, and I can't think of, that doesn't mean there isn't one, but I, in the four years I've been there, I can't think of a single one. Not a single one. So, a contract can be signed for any length of time, for any amount of money, for any reason, for any amount, with no approval or oversight. Man, it's like the Wild West with the it's checkbook. It's like the Wild West with a check. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. Um, do we have a reoccurring schedule to look at our purchasing policy policies? Is that something that we have? Let's see here. Five to ten years is needed, uh, so that that's once again the the uh, the instructor said best best practice is three to five, and uh, you know forty years. Even though they say five to ten, literally the the last it look from what it says on the on the front of the purchasing policy, it was last updated in nineteen eighty. It didn't make any sense. Mm-mm. Like you, even with I'm trying not to get myself in trouble, but. Um, <laughs> You can say what you want to. You, you yeah, this is just my opinion. You know, we this is this will be the last thing I'd get if they didn't come after me about the Peggy's episode. Then uh, I think we're fine here. But uh, I have a whole theory on that. I'll talk to y'all fair about okay. it. Um, but but if you if you're not keeping, it's kind of almost what we're dealing with with Congress right now. Is uh, if you keep the same things going on for such a long term, nothing nothing's ever going to change. Like it's always going to be, if any, they're looking at it kind of, I guess like if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Yeah. It's well, I mean, it kind of don't sound like it's, well, it's might be a squeaky wheel or two there. Yeah. A smooth, well-oiled machine. And, and once again, let me say, I'm not saying that anybody has stolen anything or done anything wrong or, or there's any impropriety whatsoever, but you cannot care about taxpayer money. And not want strong checks and balances. Yeah. You just can't. You can't be talking out both sides of your mouth. You just can't do it. Um, Next question is, does our purchasing policy address ethics 
spe- uh, specifically, how do we deal with? And it says, yes, pages eight through 10. Unfortunately, I didn't bring the purchasing policy no, with okay. me. Because uh, good Lord knows if you want a good snooze. Oh, yeah. That, that is good for that. Um, how do we dispose of goods? This is a this is a good question I'd like to know. Yeah, so gov deals or auction if a vehicle is being disposed of, information comes to purchasing from the garage superintendent, department director, or division director. If it's not a vehicle, information comes from the department and the division director to purchasing. Information is also sent to a fixed asset account and finance to make sure asset is not under lease or purchase agreement or purchase with grant funding. And so that is uh, essentially the front end of how we start to dispose of goods. And so that question sets up the next one. Are city employees allowed to bid on the goods if they are placed on an auction site? Yes. But they go through the normal bidding process. And this goes through outside party like gov deals, so this is not an issue. Payment processes through websites and funds are transmitted to city by the auction site. So the instructor was talking about how there was one particular person in a city who was responsible for disposing of goods, and they had a similar policy in their purchasing policy like we do. But they would set the auctions to end at like 4 in the morning. And so this employee, not our employee, but a government employee in a city that the instructor didn't mention, uh, would, would set the, you know, the bid time to end at 4 o'clock in the morning, and they were just snagging all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. So no, because nobody's away. Nobody's away. Nobody's away. Nobody's, away. nobody's paying attention. If you've ever been on gub deals, you know, stuff goes for pretty cheap. Yeah. I've never looked at that, actually. It's it's kind of addictive. <laughs> well, I know what I'll be doing later. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> so that's that's a that's a we need to we need to rein that in, I think. Do you think that that's uh, we're doing four o'clock in the morning deals? I, no, some of, okay, no, no. Right. I, the the purchasing department that we have right now, I will say this: they're, you know, I've I've had my quarrels with with different city employees, but the purchasing department's top notch. Gotcha. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. Um, is our policy up to date regarding uh, posting on uh, the Georgia Procurement Registry for Goods and Services and Public Works? Yes. And so that's just a, a, a government requirement that if you have over X amount of dollars that, uh, you know, a public works or something like that is that you're supposed to post it on the state bid registry. That just makes sure that the local bid registry, they're, they're kind of hard to find sometimes, to be completely honest. So if you go, you know, not every city has the exact same website. And so sometimes you have to really dig to find bids. And that just ensures that, you know, if, if somebody were to bury it on a, on a city's website or a county's website so that nine out of 10 people can't find it. Gotcha. But they can still find it on the state website. Okay. Okay. Uh, does our policy address, uh, address bid splitting address bid splitting. So, yeah, so this is interesting. Bid splitting is actually, so let's say that a city manager, ours doesn't, but let's say a city manager has a spending limit of a hundred thousand dollars. Right. And so you have to go to commission approval if it's one hundred thousand and one dollars. Well, bid splitting is actually taking a project and splitting it up into two or three or four different projects to get it under the spending limit authority. Okay, Or to try to subvert maybe the open bid process or anything like that. So our purchasing policy does actually address bid splitting, which is good. It should. Okay, Yeah. Uh, Does our policy address how professional services are selected and who, if anyone from the commission, should sit in on an interview and scoring procedure? 
if the professional services fall into the threshold that requires a bid process, there is a committee that scores, but commissioners are not normally involved in this process. And, you know, as, as an architect who's been on the other side of that, like I said before, literally every city or county I've ever worked with, there's always been a commissioner or a council person involved every single time. You, you know, it's, it's arbitrary. Essentially what they do uh, is they, they put together a score sheet and they say, oh, well, you know, prior experience is worth 30 points. How much they're charging us is worth 40. Uh, you know, and then they'll come up with three or four other things and they'll add, they'll add points to them. And uh, so after you get through interviewing somebody, you, you'll fill it out and say, oh, I think this person scored 30 out of 40 on this and, you know, maybe 10 out of 12 on that. And then you get to the end, you add all the numbers up. And that's who you're supposed to pick. And, you know, if there's not oversight of that process, it can go wrong. And as of right now, the the uh, commission is entirely out of that process. Who Who is, uh, I guess, a better lack of a term, policing that? Who's, who's looking at that? It depends on... Is there somebody that somebody has to answer to when it comes to those things? In theory, at the end of the day, everybody, everybody, every city employee answers to the city manager. And the commission actually only has one employee, and that's the city manager. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in theory, everybody answers to the city manager. Okay. Um, does our policy address lowering the authorization spending limit if we have a new or interim city manager? So if we had a spending limit, which we don't, uh, it should address that. And so the instructor was talking about how, say, you know, that you have a, a $200,000 spending limit for your city manager and they quit or, you know, God forbid something happens to them or they retire. When you bring an interim person in before you hire the final person, they shouldn't have the same spending authority as a person that was just in that seat, especially if they're an interim person before they're permanently hired. So you intentionally want to lower the spending limit just to keep a check and balance on how the money is spent because you may not know. I mean, they may get in there and do crazy stuff. And, and again, there's no spending limit. There, well, The city of Rome has no spending limit. Wow. All right. Uh, does our policy address how we purchase land? Do we require appraisals? We do require appraisals, but the purchase of land goes through the normal procurement process. And once again, the normal procurement process is, for the most part, we don't have a say. Now, land can sometimes be a little bit different. Sometimes we don't know how much we're paying for it. It's just, it's, land is weird. We, I don't remember ever seeing an appraisal. Apparently we get one and that's great. But it's, it's, once again, we're just, it's another rubber stamp thing. It's, hey, we want to buy this piece of property. Okay. So, and this may be off, like off, off kilter or whatever. Um, and I know some people had asked, I saw people post this and I remember when this came out and people were going nuts. We were talking about people's property taxes. Oh my gosh. So from what I had seen, uh, on the book of faces, we, uh, they had, (laughs) somebody had posted specific people's property values, uh, that are big players in our town. And they were way down low, like for the size of property that they had, super low. And then it went away. Like you couldn't even look it up anymore. It was removed. 
really? uh, where people couldn't pull it up anymore. That's interesting. So the county, so the property taxes are weird because they're broken into like three different pots, four different pots actually. So the tax commissioner who is Kevin Payne, I like Kevin, Kevin's a good guy, Yeah, um, is responsible for appraising the property and collecting the taxes. So that's completely a county process. Gotcha. The city sets the millage rate that we then send to Kevin that he then bills to everybody. But Kevin is responsible for collecting the property and appraising the property. So it would seem as though everybody's property was worth half of what it is right now, like three or four years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why everybody's property taxes is going through the roof. Like, yeah. holy hell, you know, uh, my house was worth, you know, $100,000 last year. This year it's worth $300,000. And my tax bill was $800. Now it's $2,400. I mean, it's a big deal, right? Yeah, and well, yeah, people too. Like, well, my house is worth, you know, three times as what it was. I'm going to sell it, and they would sell their house, and then be like, "Hey, dummy, you got to buy somewhere to live now, and it's going to be you're you're up, going to be upside down in your property." Yeah, yeah. like when when and if yeah those you know doom, doomsayers say that the market's going to crash. Um, I mean, we know people. I know people personally that. Uh, when they bought their house, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Man, it's you're buried in this thing. Yeah. You're not going to have any value in this house. And I really, you know, I, I, I get the, you know, the millennials and the, the up-and-coming Gen Z, is that what they're called? Ah, Lord, I don't know. They yeah, make my hair up, turn gray. Can't keep up with it. But I can hear it turning gray. They're, you know, they're complaining they can't find a house. And I feel bad for them because, I mean, gosh, if I had to... If I was their age trying to buy a house for the prices they are in, no way, no way, no way. I couldn't do it. Yeah, no way. No, uh-uh. And that's what a thing that kind of blows my mind too is you see so much stuff being built right now. Yeah, and I'm like, people can't like it's it's investors buying hist- history's <laughs> history's repeating itself. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, so. it sure is. Um, all right, I'll get us back on track. Sure. Uh, does it address the purchase of an easement? Normally, easements are purchased for um, operating expenses and approved in the normal budgeting process. If it is part of a larger project, then it is budgeted as part of the capital project request. So the city charges you property taxes for two different things, M&O, which means maintenance and operations, and capital. So capital is like if a roof is leaking and we need to replace a roof on a building or something like that. That's, it doesn't pave roads, but it does take care of capital improvement projects. Maintenance and operations is like maintaining roads, roads operation, paying empl- employees and things like that. And the water and sewers actually comes out of a different budget. Oh, okay. So they're their own, they're, they're their own entity. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So it gets a little, it gets a little bit weird, but easements, you know, if we have to purchase them, I've, I, I can look through the budget real quick, but I don't remember seeing anything about an easement budget line item. Anywhere in the button. I mean, I brought the budgets with me. I'll look through them, but I, I don't remember seeing anything about that. So gotcha. where does it come from? What line does it come out of? Does it come out of a department? I don't know. Nobody knows. I don't know. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Um, does our policy address how change orders are handled? Yes. Page five. I don't remember what's on that, but if this makes project over budget, a non-budgeted capital form is completed. Now, the non-budgeted capital form may be completed, but that doesn't mean it comes back to the city commission. Right? As, as I never remember, not once, as being the finance chair or just a normal city commissioner, seeing a change order come back to the city commission, which makes sense because if you don't have a spending limit, you don't need to do you that. You don't need to do that, yeah. 
not saying that's the greatest idea <laughs> at all, but uh, yeah, well, I have it. You don't need it because we can spend whatever we can buy whatever we want to. Yeah. Um, man, I need that kind of budget in my life. No joke. <laughs> uh, does our purchasing policy apply to enterprise funds, or do they have their own purchase uh, purchasing policies? Procurement policy is applicable to all funds, governmental and enterprise. Transit does have their own policy that follows what is required by the FTA GDOT. This was approved with the citywide policy in 2020, section 5, page 31. So transit does have a specific set of rules that they have to follow, but only because it's federal and state money. So enterprise funds are things like water and sewer. So you can imagine anything that could be a business or a quasi-business on its own is an enterprise fund. So building inspection, uh, water and sewer. There's, I'm sure there's another one that I can't think of off the top of my head, but they kind of act like their own entity. They get money from fees or, or you know, water, you know, paying for water or sewer or something like that. Solid waste kind of works like that. Except my parking tickets on Broad Street. Is that parking tickets one? on Broad Street, although oh, that's that's under the DDA, which is a different a different animal. We can talk about that later if you okay, want to. Gotcha. But, uh, but, you know, an enterprise fund, we still don't have we still don't have oversight of those like we're supposed to. And I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. We get a budget every month. And uh, at least if you're on the finance committee, you do. And, and we go through it, but I mean, it's not. But the thing is, it's like you get a budget, you get a budget every month, but if something wants, if somebody needs something over budget, that's all null and void because they're going to get it anyways. Yeah. Well, so uh, an example I posted on Facebook was the 2021 water and sewer, right? We started out showing a budgetary loss of like $9 million. We made $1.3 million at the end of the year. That's a 10 point something, $10.4 million swing yeah. on a $40 million budget. Yeah. You know, as a commissioner, when I look at that and I say, oh my gosh, we're about to lose $9 million in water and sewer. And everybody's talking about, we need to raise water rates. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm given a budget that shows we're about to lose $9 million. Of yeah. course, I'm, I'm going to be okay with raising water and sewer rates. But then at the end of the year, we don't you lose $9 million, million. But, but we make one point How? three. How's that even possible? So there's an ex, there's a subset in water and sewer called a R&E fund, and that stands for renewal and extension. And if you think of laying new pipe, upgrading uh, something at the sewer, uh, getting sewer things plant, to code. Getting things to code, you know, making sure that things, because we definitely want clean water dumping back into the rivers. We don't for want sure, sewage, right? Sure. And we definitely want clean, clean water going into people's pipes when they, you turn on the shower or drink the water. And so that R&E fund is set aside every year to fix things like that. So it's kind of like a wish list from the Water and Sewer Department. Well, the wish list in 2021 was like $17, million, $19 million like that. But they only spent like six of it. So there's a eleven million dollars, yeah, just it, sitting there, just sitting there that they that they intended to spend, but they never spent. But the problem is, it was like that in 2020, it's like that in 2021, it's like that in 2022, and it appears like it's going to be like that in 2023. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, don't get me wrong, uh, taking a guess at what you're going to need 
is difficult. Having a budget. It's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. You don't ever know what the weather's going to do. That's, that's right. There's it, tons of tons of variables there. And something may break, but that's what you have That's what you have a rainy day fund for, right? You don't overburden your budget that and make ready your commissioners think that you're about for a, to, It's ready for a lot of rainy days. Right. You know, so, gosh, we're going to have to sell off City Hall just to make, you know, the, the water and sewer budget work. Oh, nope. We found a... We found we found ten million dollars. It's fine. So, so okay. that the, all those are enterprises funds. So that's that's the that's the long way of saying that. I gotcha. Um, do we have a policy regarding what financial information that commissioners receive? How often do they receive it, and what form do they receive it? So, all these questions came from the guy who called the, who taught the class. So I don't want anybody thinking like I'm some genius sitting over here coming up with all these good questions. Oh, I'm I, smart. I am not. You pretty so, smart. So, but uh, the answer from the city was financial statements are prepared monthly and available on the website and reviewed by the finance committee and reporting and budget reporting are also available on the website. So you can go to the city of Rome website and you can type in finance and you can pull up the budgets and they're not all there. They're kind of spotty, but I think everyone from this year so far is there. Uh, but this question kind of leads into the next few questions, which are really eye-opening and enlightening. Okay. Does our policy address who has access to the checking account information? Answer from the city. This is determined by finance management team and the city manager. We have very strong internal controls concerning the access of banking and financial information. According to position, access is given and requested from the bank. The finance director must approve all changes in permissions we have some employees that have viewing rights only, while others can make positive pay decisions and movement of money. All wire transfers are confirmed, and an email is sent for each one to multiple employees. So that leads to the next question. Does our policies address who is authorized to sign checks in, I'm sorry, uh, authorized to sign checks and in what amount? All checks require two signatures for processing. We require two signatures no matter the amount. The bank does not require, but it is an internal policy. AP checks are processed with an electronic signature card. And there is no reason whatsoever that the mayor and the chair of finance should not have access to every single bit of banking information that we have, unless it has to do with some personal HIPAA medical payment mm-hmm. to somebody. Gotcha. Right. Or or some lawsuit that the city is involved in that the amount can't get out. There's no reason whatsoever that we every single commissioner shouldn't have access to it. It's not like it's it's hidden information. If you get a check from the city, the banking and the routing number are on the check. Right. You know, the the bank has to know where to pull the money from somewhere. Exactly. It's not like it's a secret. Yeah, and I'll and I'll even kind of go back when I in my days working in banks uh, in banking uh, if it requires two signatures you better make sure there's two signatures on that check because if something goofy goes on and you cashed it then you lose your job at the bank because there's not there's not two signatures there like it's it's like straight up gotta have two sorry you that keeps uh susie from robbing robbing the account uh you know what i mean like susie and billy are on the same have to have these two signatures uh, if you're just saying, well, just one of you can do it. I mean, it just keeps people honest. Yeah. Well, and I don't understand why. And one of the questions that's asked later gets a little bit more into this, but I don't understand why if an employee can have access to information 
unless it's like I said, human resources that is dealing with a HIPAA or, you know, a medical something or another, if an employee has access to it, a commissioner should have access to it. Agreed. I mean, completely 100% without a doubt. And we shouldn't even have to, I mean, it, it shouldn't even be an arguable point, yeah. right? It's, I can't, know. I can't begin to tell you how many stories we covered. Um, not saying that this is happening at all, but this is, this is the reason these things happen. Uh, the sweetest person that's working in the office all these years that everybody's loved to death. And she makes the best, the best banana bread to give out to Christmas. Yeah. She, you know, 10 years rolls by and she's, she stole $2 million from, from the company. Um, we, we've read a million stories like that. Ask Floyd County schools about that. That is one, one big one we (laughs) would talk about. So that's why I think it's important. you know, like we're talking about checks and balances and you got to make sure, uh, all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Two signatures required is one thing. Uh, when you, you, Definitely, I would think that you would need those people to have access to those accounts just to make sure everybody's on their P's and Q's. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, not saying that nobody's not doing that. No, no. But I'm just saying that's how you avoid finding out 10 years later that you had 10 or $2 million stole from your account. Well, you know, and they they mentioned internal controls. Are those written internal controls or are they just kind of cultural internal controls where everybody just understands that that's what's supposed to be happening? If those aren't followed to the letter, mm-hmm. does, anytime, does somebody get disciplined? I mean, what the heck happens with all that? I don't think any of it's written down. Anytime that you have a situation like that where you've got those things going on, you've got somebody not, again, not saying that that's happening in our town. There's somebody there that's looking at every single bit of it and how they can manipulate it to their advantage. They're like in every scenario that we've been through, like with, with, episodes of people stealing money or things like that. There's one person somewhere that's trying to find uh, all the loopholes. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and again, 10 years down the road, you know, you've been eating that banana bread while they've been, <laughs> while they've been smuggling, like stealing $2 million from your organization. Well, one so. of the first videos that they show you when you go to GMA is a video. I don't think the town was in Georgia, but it was a small town. And this, uh, this lady was in charge of doing the books and she had a beautiful horse farm with like all these nice racing horses and it's oh those are cheap <laughs> you know kick, kick, kick butt trucks and horse trailers and all that other stuff and they had audits done every year and the audits passed with flying colors and they they show you that video to warn you and we'll get into this a little bit later but that when you hear the word audit it doesn't actually mean what everybody thinks it means mm-hmm. and so it it because uh, my understanding is the Floyd County schools scored an A plus on all their audits up until they found out somebody was stealing money from them. Yeah. Large, large amounts, amounts of, money. of money. Yeah. Taking, uh, taking, we, we even, we actually brought this up the other day. He, his daughter went to a neighboring County school above us and he bought 200 orders of cookie dough during the cookie dough sales at the school, just so she would be the number one person. So he took that money oh and bought cookie dough with it. Good Lord. 200 orders of cookie dough. I bet the cookie dough people was like, how in the <laughs> hell are we going to make Jackpot. all this cookie dough? <laughs> um, we'll go to the next one. Um, uh, does our policy address who is authorized to sign the check and, to, did what did I cover that? Yeah, one? I think we just. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, 
Does our policy address the budget process? So the answer from the city is not a written policy, and that's important, not a written policy. But city charter and state department of audit requirements are met. What the heck that means, I have no idea. Uh, so they say. So they say. One of the duties of the city manager is, is to make a budget each year showing the estimated income and expenditures of the city for the insuring year. The city manager is to keep the com- commission fully advised as to the financial condition and needs of the city. So, uh, like I said earlier, we're presented a budget. We don't really have any process in, or, or any, you know, we're not involved in, in the budgeting process whatsoever, and that's just that's so crazy. So I want to find a quote from from the uh, – shoot, where'd he go? Find a quote from the guy who was given the class, and I thought it was just spot on. It's wild that we're talking about a budget, but they really – it's really not a budget. It's really, it's really, it's really not a budget it there. Being a, you know. Their budget and my budget are two different <laughs> definitions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. Oh gosh, I was afraid. I can't. I'm bad under pressure. Can't find. Oh, no, you're is. fine. You're fine. Let's see here. Da-da-da-da. I think city council. Oh, here he is. Um, I have been in. This is a. This is a quote from the guy who was teaching the class. He said, uh, "It always, always." He's talking about the budget. It always, always, always starts with a commission in a healthy starts with a commission in a healthy environment. The city manager should never be the first one to initiate the budget process. It always goes from commission to staff and then back up to the commission for approval. That's when I think it works really well. And he keeps on going and says, I have been in environments where the city manager did the entire budget process start to finish. Didn't even involve the department heads, just wrote the whole budget out and said, here council or commission vote on it. There was little discussion. It's approved. We go implement. And he goes on to say, this is not a representative form of government. I don't think you have the best outcome from that. You want some dialogue. You want some conversation. And he's exactly right. It's not a representative form of government at that point. It's just, we're a bunch of rubber stampers. Yeah. 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 And if you, if you set your theoretical spending limit based on a budget and you set the budget, then you don't have a spending limit. Right. I mean, right. you know, if, if, if you're the one who's putting together the budget, then and you, you know, theoretically, you're constrained by the budget in terms of spending limit. Come on. I mean, that's there's no controls in that no. whatsoever. I mean, there's no there's like I said, we keep calling it a budget It's there's it's not a budget. There's no there's nothing to be budgeted when you have free will to spend yeah. X amount of dollars at any any given point. For any given reason. Well, and and other, you don't have to really answer to anybody. No. I mean, the other thing is, you know, the budget is supposed to reflect the will of the people. So we get calls all the time. I get calls. I know other commissioners get calls. Hey, my road needs paving. Hey, you know, I'd love. Ooh, thank to, God they got on Shorter Avenue. Oh, that no. was from, <laughs> Yeah, I got a story about that. Beat you to um, death. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's uh, we need this, we need that. We want to upgrade in our parks. You know, we, we want uh, these streetlights fixed. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we did X, Y, and Z? We hear those things all the time, but we're never given a formal process where we can sit down and, and tell the city manager and the staff, this is what the citizens want. This is what they're concerned about. This is what they want addressed. 
like a like create a checklist of where we a start. A checklist, yeah. It's like the, the the citizens. This is the top ten list of things the citizens want addressed. We never do that. The budget doesn't reflect it at all, and so the citizens get mad at us, rightfully so, because we're supposed to be representing them. Sure. And the money that's supposed to be going to them to provide services for things that they need doesn't necessarily go there at all because we have no input in the budget. Who's who? <laughs> his favorite hot button here uh, is he going to things like the tennis courts, things like that, or is that a different? That's actually an enterprise fund. Okay. Well, and it's also partially funded by the uh, tourism department. So the tourism department is a 501. B5, not for profit. And it takes, I think, three out of every eight pennies that we get in a hotel motel tax and sticks it back towards the tennis center. I think that's right. Okay. So it it works a little bit different, but there, I mean, there is, there is staff time managing the people who manage the tennis center. I mean, it's just, you know, there's overlap. There sure is. Okay. Yeah. I know a lot of people were still, a lot of people still squawk about those tennis courts. I mean, that's probably never going to go away. So, like my my grandfather used to squawk about the Brave Stadium. So, um, oh, don't hey, we need to talk about that before we get off because that's that's, that's yeah, yeah, I, yeah, 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 for sure. Because yeah. I have lots of questions yeah. on that to myself. Um, does our financial policy address end of year funds that have not been spent on items listed in the initial budget? No, that's the answer from the city. It's just. Straight up, like, nope. no. <laughs> Why uh, not? Well, and you know, when you have excess funds left over. Everybody gets, it's like Oprah shows up and everybody gets a new. Every, you get a car, you, you get, get a car, car you, you get, get a car. car. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing is, if I'm not saying that our employees do this at all, I don't think they do. Because from what I can tell, the majority of the departments fall within budget. Like they don't, they don't overestimate their budget. But it would be very simple if you knew that you had excess dollars left over at the end of the year that didn't have to go back to the commission for approval on what to spend it on to overestimate your budget of what you need. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you have a million and a half dollar budget for the department and you've only spent one point two five million, you got two hundred fifty thousand dollars sitting in the kitty. Yeah. That you, the department head, may not be able to decide what to do with. But certainly between the city manager and the finance director, they could. Yep. And if they are all on the, all on the same all page. All on the same page. And, you know, that no oversight. No oversight. So that money just sits there. Well, it sits there or it gets spent, but we don't know how it gets spent because it doesn't come back to us. Okay. Okay. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, man. Does our policy address how we weigh the accuracy of the budget versus uh, conservative over under estimates? Accuracy versus balance. Answer from the city is this is part of the end of year external audit and part of the ACFR reporting. This is reviewed by both GFOA and the State Department of Audits. So I went over this a little bit earlier and I've got a, a post about it on Facebook. But it's one of those things where you can show that you're losing $9 million at the start of the year. And at the end of the year, you're actually making $1.3 million. So our policy, because we don't have a written one, obviously doesn't address overestimating or underestimating. And, I mean, you know, there can be dire consequences behind that, right? It's like, okay, well, all the commissioners now think that we're losing all this money or we have a bunch of money that we actually don't have. 
And, and so that can go, that can go really bad really quickly. And so at the last commission meeting, the auditor was there and I showed him the budget that I was talking about, uh, from 2022, I think. And, uh, once again, addressing water and sewer. And I'm like, look, man, it, this, this says that our total budget for water and sewer, it was going to cost us $49 million in expenses. But what you're showing in your audit is, you know, it, it only cost us $21 million and we made $29 million. So we thought we were going to lose like $12 million. Instead, we made it eight. That's a swing of $20 million. Yeah. Where did it come from? I'm like, does your, do you as the auditor review the monthly budgets that we receive? And he's like, no, he doesn't. He just reviews end of year money items that are given to him by the city. So, you know, what we review as a commission is it can be vastly off. And according to the answer from the city, I thought the reason I asked the auditor that was because I thought the answer was the auditor actually reviews that, but it turns out he doesn't. That didn't even make any sense. Uh-uh. If, you're, if it's an audit, it's an audit. It's an audit, it's an audit. But our audit, so the audits that the city of Rome and every other municipality and county get are very limited. It's They review the numbers that are given to them by the city, the county, the school board, whomever. So if, if you hand me a bunch of documents that say this is what we spent, this is what we made, uh, they're going to go back and they're going to check that against the bank accounts and everything like that, but they don't go through and do something called a forensic audit. And a forensic audit is making sure where every single dime, dollar, penny, nickel goes. Mm-hmm. That's how they call it the Floyd County Schools. They actually had to do a forensic audit. Ours is just a processing audit for the most part. Are we following state laws in terms of how we process the money? Do we have internal controls? And I was like, oh, great. You know, you check for internal controls. Well, it turns out he only the auditor only checks, and this is not just the auditor that we hire. This is every auditor mm-hmm. that does this kind of audit. They only check for internal controls based around the bank accounts. And I don't even really know what that means. So there is no check of internal controls between the city commission and the uh, city administration. It's really, it's. So it's almost like you, you've spent the money, but you have something that shows what you spent the money on. So it's all good. But do we really know that's what the money was spent on? Like, I guess. That's well, and that, that, yeah, that's part of it. It's like if, if throughout the year on the budget, it can show that we intend to spend the money on 10, 10 brand new trucks. And at the end of the year, what we actually wind up spending the money on is something like, you know, uh, a brand new roof and, uh, you know, two sets of garage doors somewhere. What's given to the auditor is how much we paid for the roof and the garage doors. And he checks that against the bank account and everything. But he doesn't check to see what we intended to start out with at the beginning of the year. So he didn't know what the initial amount was. Mm-hmm. So he could, eh. okay, that's what we're going to do. It. <laughs> Man, um, does our financial policy address preservation of capital? Answer from the city, no, period. Meaning so, capital, meaning we are. So preservation of capital is a fancy term for how much money you have on hand, right? It's it's not even necessarily 
I don't think it's not necessarily your rainy day fund. It's just how much money you have on hand. So the preservation of capital is, is, you know, in case of emergency, how's it get spent in case, in case there's an emergency and it does get spent, how do we replenish it? So it's just all those kinds of things. So it's just a fancy term for how do we make sure that the cash that we have on hand is handled in a proper manner? And we have no written policies dealing with that. So there's no way of knowing. There's no way of knowing. Does our policy state what level of risk we are willing to take with our cash? Answer from the city. Safety of cash is the foremost objective in the investment process. We always invest in the safest type of investments to mitigate investment risk. We primarily use LGIP and other insured and collateralized investment opportunities. So part of state law is that if you have, uh, and this doesn't apply to all the money, I don't believe, but if you have certain funds, you put them in a bank and the bank has to prove that they can collateralize the money. So in other words, if we have $10 million and we give it to a bank, a bank has to show us that they have $20 million worth of assets that in case the bank goes under, they can sell that assets and give us our money back. Mm-hmm. And so state law dictates, you know, that there has to be a certain amount of protection there. But then that gets into when's the last time we checked the credit worthiness of our banks? How many banks do we use? Right. I mean, we just went through a banking crisis like seven, eight months. Yeah. Ago, not right? too long ago. Uh-uh. Yeah. And it wasn't like huge banks. It was it was midsize regional. Yeah. Banks. Yeah. It was the regional banks that got hit this time. Yeah. And we use Bank of the Ozarks. And they pulled through okay. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, had we chosen a different regional bank. Could have been a whole, it could have been a mess. Yeah. And you're talking tens of millions of dollars. Tens of millions yeah. of dollars. No no way to recover it. Uh-uh. Uh, unless they sell off their assets, mm-hmm. right, which they're supposed to be collateralized. And I'm assuming that they are. Uh, I have no reason to doubt that they are. But, you know, if, if. They go under and they have 10 cities worth of money. Do they have enough collateralized assets to sell that off? And what would, if we go through a, like a depression? Yeah, I would say no. I would right? say it would be, yeah. Yeah, and so you have to sell pennies for uh, buildings for pennies on the dollar. We're literally living in some pretty scary times yeah. for, for, for those specific things to not be addressed and, and, and be on top of because, yeah. I mean, anybody that's listening to this is – watches the news every day and they see, you know, the direction that things are heading in. And I'm not trying to gloom and doom everybody, but I mean, yeah, those, those are super important. Those are super important. And like I said, know. state law protects a certain amount of it to make it, make sure that it's collateralized yeah. properly. But I, I am, I am ignorant enough to not know whether or not if the world goes to hell in a handbasket, if our money is really, truly safe. And it, look, if the world goes to hell in a handbasket, nobody's money is really, sure, truly safe. Sure. You know, so, uh, you know, but even a, even a, a small hiccup, like we saw seven or eight months ago with the regional banks. Right. I mean, that's, it was one right after another. Yeah. That's crashing. a, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. It's scary. It is. Yeah. Um, let's go to, uh, next question is, does our policy state who makes our investment decisions, which is, this is a, I mean, Again, we're talking about millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. And so the first thing I need to say is I am not an investment guy, and the commissioners, for the love of God, there have been a couple of us over the last 40 years. I'm not one of them. 
that I would trust choosing which investments that, you know, they could, they could ed- do an educated thing as to, as to know which investments the city could go in. But for the most part, commissioners are wholly unqualified to do this. But so are managers and finance directors because they are living a different world than investment people do. Oh, I'm telling you right now that and people that deal with investments, they are on another level, another planet as far as how money's being uh, moved than, so, than any of us. Oh, yeah. So the answer from the city is investments are managed by the finance director or designee investment officer. And the city manager could serve in this capacity in the absence of the finance director or if the position is vacant. You almost want to say though, like if it's tax, are we talking taxpayers' dollars? Oh yeah, it's risky. Yeah. Invest investing taxpayers' dollars are is is risky. Investing anybody's money is is risky. Yeah. I mean, it's super risky. And so the next question deals with. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You want to? No, no, no. You're good. Uh, so the next question deals with a state law that is supposed to be referenced in your written policy if you have one. And so the question is, does our policy reference state law 3683-4 for allowable types of investments? And the answer from the city is no, but see above regarding investment protocol. And, you know, I, I, the fact that we don't have a written policy, which means we don't have checks and balances and controls over investments, even though the investments have certain controls built into them by the state. But the fact that we don't have checks and balances as a city commission over that is just mind blowing. Yeah. It's mind blowing. You're talking tens of millions of dollars. And you don't even know what's being done with it. I don't have no idea what's being done with it. I don't. I'm not saying it's being misused. Sure. sure. But But uh, it's, I mean, it's still being nice to know what's, What's being done with We need to know. We need to know, right? It's important, for sure. Um, When is the last time we went out for a RFP to pick our banks? So an RFP stands a request for proposals. So the answer from the city is 2017. We normally go out for banking requests for proposals every three to five years. In recent years, the banking climate has led to the extension of the existing contract. So 2017, that's what, seven years? Mm -hmm. So we definitely haven't done it every three to five years. I asked about it a couple of years ago, and, you know, they're like, we keep it all, or the vast majority of it is a bank of those arcs. They got to go see my people at River City. River City's good people. Love River City. River City's good people. I worked there for a little while, and I still bank there, and man, I just... uh, I worked worked at Big Blue for some time, too. Coosa Valley's good people. River City's good people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, when was the last time we checked the credit worthiness of our banks we use? Do we have policies regarding how often it is done and who is responsible for doing that? So the answer from the city is as part of our external annual audit, certain documents are required. We also receive collateral information monthly from our bank. We also utilize the network of other governments in GGFOA training and education. Uh, you know, auditors I, I looked through the audit i didn't see anything about our banks maybe it was in a separate document um so i'm not saying it wasn't done but why does the auditor have a specialty in looking at banks I mean, that's what i would so. i would think so you but, would think so but maybe they don't it's like should we be hiring an in, independent third-party person to uh, a professional who deals with uh, you know banks and how healthy they are 
I'll bet you a hell of a lot of people wish they'd done that about seven or eight months ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say, when you're dealing with that type of money, that that guy on the payroll is uh, is uh, he's weight he's worth his weight in gold. He's important, and you don't want him to work for the commission, and you don't want him to work for the city, and you don't want him to work for the bank. Right. You want him to be a completely independent person because we need a real world honest opinion mm-hmm. on on you know how are our banks doing. Yeah. Because we spread our money out over a lot of different banks, a lot of local banks, and you have to, and it makes sense. But the vast, vast majority of our money is a bank of the Ozarks. Yeah. And it's a a middle-sized regional bank, which is the exact same kind of bank that just got hammered seven or eight months ago. And they took over. If I'm not mistaken, they they built a bank out that was in – and I might be – Maybe they did, yeah. I I forgot who they took over, but they bought bought out – a specific bank. I'm not sure if they were in financial trouble or not, but I mean, I, I the don't, bigger bank yeah. was just trying to ex- expand their, um, their yeah. territory probably. So, yeah, I don't think they were ever in trouble. I kept it like when it was going through that about once every other day, I went and I, I searched through their documents and I had some friends that know a lot more about investments. And I was, I'd call them and say, Hey, how's this bank? And from what I understand, the bank of Ozarks never had any issues. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But I was checking on it. Sure. I was like, you know, it's, Somebody needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we have a policy regarding who has access to the bank statements, both staff and elected fi- officials? So the answer from the city is this is handled in the same manner as online banking access is granted. Elected officials have never had access to banking information. This information is presented in the monthly financial statements and, of course, is part of our annual external audit. I don't want the password to transfer money. Sure, no. But every single elected official should have the ability to look at our bank statement. Yeah. Every single one of us. Yeah. And I mean, and it flat out, the answer from the city is flat out, they've never had access to that information. Never. Why? Some cities actually post every single check that they write on their website. Every single one of yeah. them. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah. Do these budgets and financial policies also apply to our enterprise funds or do they have their own? Uh, answer from the city is policies apply to all funds. So, or lack of policies apply to all funds. <laughs> right. <laughs> do we use Georgia uniform chart of accounts? The answer is yes, and but it's an equivalent. So not too long ago, I think it was in 2020, the, the state updated something called the uniform chart of accounts and it, the theory behind it was everybody has to post their financial information the ex- and present it the exact same way. So it doesn't matter if you're looking at Rome or Columbus or Atlanta or Athens or anywhere. You can hop on there and you can peruse through it. And essentially what you're seeing in Rome is this roughly the same format as what you'll see in Athens or Savannah or whatever. What they mean by equivalent, I'm not sure. Uh, if anybody's ever done any bookkeeping they have a number system, so like 5,000 is associated with this department and 4,000 is associated with that department. So I think they break it down like that. And my guess is those numbers are the equivalent of the uniform chart of accounts. I'm not sure if how we present our information is the exact same. So to be completely honest, I'm, I'm more or less ignorant on this one. So gotcha. I, can't, I can't say one way or the other. All right. Uh, do we have a policy re- regarding minimum and maximum fund balance? Oh, boy. Here we go. So, yeah, so the answer from the city is no, always no. We do not have a policy regarding minimum maximum, no. Answer from the city also, always strive to be good stewards of money and be as conservative as possible. 
We always want to be financially stable and healthy. The economy continually changes, and we want to always be ready for what lies ahead. All right. This is where I really start banging heads uh, with, with particular things at the city. We have $28 million in a rainy day fund. The best practices from the instructor and from GMA and all those people were two months to six months worth of expenses. Kind of like if you ever listen to Dave Ramsey, he's like, you have to have an emergency fund. So at minimum, you need two months. At maximum, you need six because there's there's really no benefit in saving anything more than six months because death and taxes. Right. The city's always going to get its money. Mm -hmm. So... Our budget is roughly $28 million in expenses, which means that at a maximum, we should have $14 million set aside for emergency fund. At minimum, we should have, what, $5.6 million set aside. So between $6 million and $14 million, we have 28. Now, not all of that can be spent. Some of it is what's called restricted, and 6% of it is restricted. So 6% of $2.8 million, I don't know what it is, probably roughly $2 million. So we have... A little bit over $26 million of money that can be spent in any way that we see fit. We're just holding on to it. So in my point of view, when a taxpayer gives us their money, they expect something for it. So we're supposed to render a service to them. They give us their money. They expect their roads to be paved. They expect their, their parks to be fixed. They expect, you know, all different kinds of things. You know, that wish list we were mm-hmm. talking about for right. the budget. They want those things addressed because they've paid for them, especially lately when everybody's tax bills are going through the roof. Everybody's like, well, what are we, what's that? What are we seeing? What, yeah. What are yeah. we seeing? What are we paying for? And so we're sitting on roughly, you know, 13 to $14 million in excess that we can either give a tax break or we can actually provide services. Now our property tax income for 2023 i want to say was around 11 million dollars that means that as far as the capital and the mno portion of your property tax bill from the city of rome we could put it down to zero for one whole year and still have six months worth of expenses left in the bank as an emergency fund wow we could literally give everybody a tax a tax abatement, a 0% tax, not from the city school system, not from the county, but from the city of Rome. For property taxes. For property tax for one full year. That'll never happen. That'll never happen. <laughs> never That'll happen. never happen. But, you know, if we don't do that. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? But the thing is, the commission has no say over it. Yeah. Like we, maybe the, maybe saying we have no say over it is not, is not completely fair. We're not asked about it. Sure. It's difficult to find out certain things about it. Well, well you know, we're talking about it too, you know, maybe we talk about this excess amount of money that's left over, you know, rainy day funds or whatever. I mean, are our police departments up to par? Do they have everything they need? Are our fire departments up to par? Do they have everything they need? I mean, are we taking care of first responders? No, no. It's, no, we, we, they are, according to people I talk to at the city, they are underpaid compared to other counties, the, the other counties. Yep, I know that. So, to be no, factual. I mean, we need to, you know, heck just three years ago, we starting officer pay, I want to say it was $32,000. 
and we bumped it up to $39,000, and that was still less than what people are making in, in Cobb County. In, in Calhoun. Calhoun. Yeah, Calhoun. What was it, making less than what? Yeah, Calhoun. In Calhoun. And we're like, what, what are we doing here, yeah. right? I mean, you know, it's uh, – I think that if – I mean, if there's there's funds left over like that, you got to start looking at it, the people that take care of your communities too. Absolutely. And those people are super important. Yes. You know, if you're looking at um, – and I don't know um, – I don't even know how you make that be important. Like, how, how do you not know that that's super important? I don't know. Like, uh, for example, one of the things on the SPLOS is like a $1.9 million radio upgrade for the police department. Why does it have to go on the SPLOS? We're sitting on all this money. Exactly. Just buy Just it. do it. Just, Just get it done. It. Yeah. Just get it done. Yeah. Come in front of the commission, ask if it's okay, so we have proper checks and balances. Yeah. But nobody on the commission is going to say you can't, you know, there, nobody on the commission is going to reasonably deny a, a request to help our first response. That's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. But instead it gets put on the SPLOS. It's like that, that doesn't belong with the SPLOS. Right. That's, I thought that was like school stuff. SPLOS. Uh, it was so, mostly school. So the one that's coming up that everybody's voting on, on Tuesday is just city and county it has nothing to do with schools. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I got but you. One of the things on there I want to say is it's either 1.6 or $1.9 million in radio upgrades. I like, why Why are we waiting? You can just go ahead and take care of it now. Go ahead and take yeah. care of it now. Yeah. That's one of those things. The citizens have paid for a service, right? We have the money to provide the service. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's go ahead and upgrade it. Take care of the people that take care of our community. That's right. I mean, going to need them now more than ever with the the way things are shaking out. Uh, man, I don't even get into that. That's a whole other podcast. But uh, um. Do we have a policy on how we build back up for our fund reserves if they are depleted? Answer from the city, no. Oh, I want to come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of those things. It's it's, uh, it's sitting down again and coming up with a checklist, like a, a hierarchy. What's the most important thing to us, right? If we have to build it back and we have to take money away from something, that also means that we have to make sure that other things absolutely have the money they need mm-hmm. to to continue to survive. And so it's just, why, you know, it, there's no checks and balances associated with that. So, you know, maybe the, the, the city administration would agree that our first responders are the most important thing, but maybe they don't. Right. You know, and, and why are they the only ones with the hands on the steering wheel? Exactly. So, you know, it's... It's frustrating. Yeah, I I see it, man. Like I I, I get it, and I, I have so many friends of mine that are in law enforcement or people that are you know their first responders, and like I think that's just a no brainer situation where if, if you care about the community that you're representing, like you take care of the people that protect their community. Yeah, and that's one of the main. I would think that would be always one of the main focal points of of every. Every time we uh, try to create a budget, if that's what we're doing, you know, yeah, put that in there. So, um, do we have a policy that outlines what we are to use the fund reserves for? Answer from the city is no. I knew that. It was kind of kind of figured <laughs> we were going in that direction. So, so <laughs> you know, if 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 uh, if it hits the fan, and we have to start triaging things, what what do we choose first? Yeah, what do you what goes first? I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe we just tap into that 
extra money at the water yeah. department. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. But I mean, seriously, no, I, I have no idea. Yeah. Nobody does. No, not a single commissioner. You can ask every single one of them knows of a list. And we probably all have different ideas of what's the most important, including the manager. And it's not that uh, the manager of the city administration's point of view is not relevant or, or uh, an expert opinion or, you know, it's not that we wouldn't listen to them at the end of the day, but we're balancing the needs of the citizens and what they're asking from us. And the city administration, the city manager is balancing the needs of the employees. Yeah. And those two things are in conflict sometimes. And when you have no checks and balances, one of those always wins out and the other one always, so the most part loses. Yeah. Or yeah. suffers. Yeah. And so, you know, I wouldn't be doing my job if I wasn't trying to get to the bottom of this and asking questions because as awesome as uh, the vast majority of our city employees are, I don't represent them. I represent the, the citizens. Right. You know, I mean, that's, if I have to choose one over the other, I'm going to choose the citizens. Yeah. That's right. what you're, that's what you're there that's for. That's what I'm there for. Yeah. Yeah. So, does our policy address how often we select auditors and how and who choose them? So the answer from the city is our auditors are selected using an RFP process request for proposal. There are very few firms that are qualified to conduct the city of Rome audit because the Rome city school audit is included as part of our audit. The firm must also conduct school audits. The request for a proposal requires that the firm have experience with cities of like size and complexity the school, landfill, and grant funds make us rather complex. No local firms have the required experience. And I wasn't necessarily asking about local firms. I was just asking how often do we select the auditors and what's the process that it goes through. And it's an important question because even though auditors, for all intents and purposes, are separate and act like third parties, you know, if they're solely picked by the employees... It's not that a conflict or it's not that a, a, a conflict of interest exists, but it could, mm-hmm. right? The easily. C- easily. The city commission, for the most part, I wouldn't think cares, right? It's like, okay, well, let us pick the auditors and they could look at, they can look at our books, right? Because for the most part, we have... You know, as, as it's obvious, we have very little control over the money, but we want to make sure that the money is spent properly. At the end of the day, the audits, I'm not going to say they're worthless. They're not. They do some good, uh, but they are not as extensive as most people think. When you hear the word audit, it's not a forensic audit. Gotcha. Yeah. It's just not. It's just a cookie cutter version. It's just of, a cookie cutter version of, of a process of checking processes and, and, you know, what the information that we give them, making they make sure that it, it checks back to the banking account and that all the numbers work out. And yeah. they check over some internal controls over over the checking accounts and banking accounts and things like that. <laughs> but uh, like I said, the Floyd County Schools, they had they had clear audits every single year going up to when, you know, they found all that money. Yeah. And man, that that still blows my mind. Yeah. Like that too. completely blows my mind. It it's uh Cookie dough, y'all. Two hundred. They get two hundred <laughs> orders of cookie dough. So, um, do we have a revenue manual? Uh, let's see here. What page are we on? We're on page eight. Sorry. Uh, no. The answer from the city is no. So, a revenue manual is essentially this is how we're going to collect our revenue. We're going to get it from these sources. We're going to update the revenue manual yearly. 
For example, one of the things that the instructor brought up is that you can add a 3% tax on top of rental cars. You know, not that I want to go taxing everybody. Sure. Right. But if it's a burden. Or like the charging stations, I guess, for electric cars now. Yeah. But, you know, if we can put the burden on somebody who's visiting from outside instead of putting the tax burden on the people who live here, the more we can shift that burden to a certain extent, the better. I mean, we don't want to wind up like, you know, New York or Seattle or our hotel taxes are just like, you know, astronomical. But the more that we can shift on to people who are tourists, you know, the less we have to pay. Yeah. So why wouldn't we want to do that? And Revenue Manual makes sure that you have researched and seen all the things and make sure that we, we are getting the maximum amount of money from everything that we can so that we can take the minimum amount of money from the citizens at the end of the day. So like franchise fees, every single person who pays an AT&T bill, every single person who pays a Comcast bill, when you pay your power bill, the city actually gets a portion of that money back. And we have to do audits on those people ever so often to make sure that they're being honest with us. Like we just did an audit on Comcast. We hadn't done an audit on Comcast since they were just TV and now they're internet and TV. Yeah. They kill me every month. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And, uh, and so we, we got a significant amount more money every year just because we did an audit of it because it's not that Comcast was intentionally screwing us over, Sure, but well, they're not going to just give them like, Hey, you know, I mean, we think we owe y'all more money. Right. Right. Yeah, nobody's doing that. Yeah. So so that's what the revenue manual's for. And we don't have one. And we don't have one. Okay. Uh, does our policy address how we will spend one-time revenues for the one-time expenses? Answer from the city. Where there are stipulations on what funds can be used for, we are very transparent in our reporting. There are some funds that are required to be accounted for in their own separate fund. Sometimes this requires keeping cash restricted until expended and has specific reporting requirements. We always strive to be transparent in all reporting and record keeping. So the two examples associated with this is the ARPA COVID money and SPLOS money. So SPLOS money, for the most part, is restricted, right? You, you, We say we're going to do this with it, and we're supposed to do that with it. Now, the sad, the, the sad commentary behind that is, and everybody knows this who's voted for SPLOS, or people who hate SPLOS certainly know this, Sometimes we spend on what we say we're going to. Sometimes we don't get around to it. Sometimes we wait so long that the project, we can't afford to do it anymore. And so the the SPLOST doesn't always work out the way it's supposed to. And the ARPA COVID money, it's really interesting to see how some cities sat down and were really focused on things that they needed. And they they did, you know, the, the city of Rome, I think, got $11 million in COVID money. Wow. Yeah. But the commission was presented a list from what the staff wanted to do, and that was it. So what when we talk about eleven million dollars, uh, what what did they possibly do with like what what kind of what things were purchased with that kind of money? So three point six million dollars of it was for a meter water meter upgrade for COVID. What's that got to do? I don't, I don't know, man. What's it got to do with COVID? I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, about a million dollars of it was spent buying a building on Broad Street to turn into an incubator space for small businesses. A million dollars of it was originally set aside to uh, help developers and, and small business people and, and basically anybody who wanted to build a house to offset some of the development costs to build a house. That money didn't get maybe 
$20,000 of that million dollars actually got spent for that. The rest of it did not. I'm not sure how much we have left over. Uh, I haven't looked at the budget to, to, to know that, but I do know we still have some left over, but it's just, I think they should invest. It was into, a hodgepodge. They should invest that money into my podcast and then I can quit my real job. You know, it'd <laughs> be great. So we don't, obviously we don't have anything that says that we have to spend this on this. And it would be great. Like some cities have, if we're going to do SPLOS dollars and somebody says it's going to cost $20 million to build a building that goes on SPLOS, the SPLOS committee can't only give it 10. They have to give it 20. Okay. And then as soon as it comes out, we have to, you know, some cities say you have to spend the money within X amount of days uh, to get a bond to go ahead and build it so that you don't wait five years so that a building that costs $20 million today is not going to cost, it's going to be way more than that. Right. To make right. sure that you get, there's opportunity and cost involved in waiting and the, the, you know, money is not worth what it is you know, five years from now. Right. So in my point of view, as if a SPLOS passes the day after it passes, we are, in go mode and we're building everything that we can as quickly as we can. Mm-hmm. Otherwise we're just, we're not being good stewards of taxpayers. Sure. Money. Yeah. I mean, you, if you sit on it, it's going to, it's just like you said, it'll be, you know, it's, it's irrelevant yeah. it, it, after a few years. Yeah. Really. It's upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this is like, honestly, some really eye opening stuff. I, I'm, I see what your concerns are and I, and I hope that, there's there's many other people with these same concerns that you have that uh, can kind of come together on this thing and and let's have a real budget let's let's create some real you know well you know and I didn't I didn't ask these quite like once again I didn't come up with these questions they were they were given to us to go back and ask mm-hmm. and I didn't ask them to offend anybody I didn't ask them to. Uh, try to stir somebody up. I didn't ask them to try to get somebody in trouble. Literally, the guy from the class told us to ask these questions. And, okay, he's the expert in the state. I'm going to ask the questions. Sure. Right? Why it's your should, job. Why shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah I'm your job derelict if I don't do it, right? Yeah. And, and so um, we have some deficiencies, and I'm not saying anybody is, is being uh, – Immoral, unethical. I'm not saying anybody's stealing any money, but good checks and balances protect everybody. Right. They protect the commissioners. They protect the staff. They protect the administration. They protect everybody. I have no, there's no logical explanation for anybody that that doesn't want to make sure that they are on the up and up. Right. When it comes to millions of dollars, like you definitely want to, be squeaky clean squeaky when it comes clean. to those specific things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying that some information has been impossible to get. Some information has been difficult to get. Some other commissioners have asked some questions that haven't been answered yet. And they asked them back in April. So it's, uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. I can see why I can see why. And, uh, yeah. Well, I hope for, for your sake and and for the citizens of our of our town and our area that um that everybody can get on the same page and uh start writing some of the I wouldn't say writing the wrongs but writing the wrongs I mean you know what I mean it's like 
there's a way to conduct it and the way to do it. And there's a reason why things change for the better in the future. And if you keep continuing to do things that you've done, what do we say? 40 years ago. Yeah. It's, it's time to, to, to make some changes. Yeah. Well, you know, it's yes, that's (laughs) very well said. Well, um, before you get out of here, and and, all, and again, this information is like it, it's it's mind boggling to me. Like it really, truly is mind boggling to me. Um, I do want to kind of on a, on a. Should we talk about the Brave Stadium? Let's yet? talk about the Brave Stadium. Okay, what's going on over there, man? Because I, 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 I love baseball. First of all, yeah. like I like I that's my first love, baseball. Absolutely. So when they built that stadium here, man, I was. I was just beside myself excited that we were going to have baseball here and it was part of the Braves organization this year. I know they didn't, they didn't re up. I heard that the, the stadium, the, the Braves actually kind of pulled out, but they're still an affiliate of the Braves, but they can't say they're the Braves because they have to pay licensing fees. And then if they want to sell shirts with Braves on it, then they got to pay merchandising fees so it's we're going to have a whole new team with a whole new name, but they're still going to be the Braves single A, from what I understand. Yeah. So this is most of this goes. My understanding, and I'm 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 ju- I know just enough to be dangerous. So that's you know, to t- well, take everything I you're say. You're going to know a, more than I do with about a grain it. of salt. So my understanding is all of this started. Uh, what was it? Five or six years ago, when the the players had a strike. So. Part of the deal with the players um, striking was that the minor leagues would get some upgrades. And so part of that was there was a scoring system implemented by baseball, uh, by the Major League Baseball, that said that every single minor league stadium in the whole country is going to be graded on a, a scale of 0 to 120. And you have to have a minimum score of 80 before you can keep your team. And if you score below 80 then you have X number of years to bring the stadium up or we're going to pull the the minor league team from your stadium. Some of the upgrades included like uh, bigger uh, or like showering rooms and and the away teams or visiting teams, you know, or or bigger dugouts or, you know, kind of amenities for the players, which makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. The players are, you know, the minor league players don't get paid jack squat. Nothing. Nothing. Terrible. So so they wanted to to make sure that they actually got, you know, their due and get treated right. Well, my understanding is our stadium scored a 40. Wow. And so it was going to take about eight or nine billion dollars to bring our stadium up to an 80. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if that money is going to be spent. Uh, it's a ca- it's a county facility, so, so the city so, doesn't have any say. Over okay, it. so this is the the county's responsible. This is the county's this. responsible. Yeah. Okay. So, at the end of the day, uh, a a private company wound up, and I think they own about thirty or so minor league teams. They wound okay. up buying that franchise from the Braves, so they're still affiliated with the Braves. Gotcha. But they. I'm assuming as long as they're in Rome, since you know they're the stadium is is not up to par and everything. Uh, I don't know if it was pressure from the Braves to force them to pull the name or what, but 
Uh, I think it had to do with a lot of dollars. Yeah. Like if you're going to still be the Braves, you're paying this much money. Yeah, which and makes if you're going to sell merchandise with our logos on it, it's going to be this much money. So we, you're you're talking about man, tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, so maybe hundreds of thousands. Well, and if you're looking at you know uh, if they're going to have to if the company that now owns that minor league team is going to have to uh, pony up some of the money to help fix up the stadium, they're trying to save every dollar they can. Sure. I want to say this, and this is like strictly me. Mark has nothing to do with it, what's about to come out of my mouth. To the to the individual that owns this team now and that's running the show over there, I, my advice to you, uh, I haven't met you personally, but I've a lot of people have said that he's really stiff, that he's uh, has a personality of a stop sign. Mm. If you want it to work here, you better know your people. Yeah. And get involved in the community and don't treat us like uh, we're the next person in line to buy a hamburger. Well, it's super important for you if you want to make it work. <laughs> it, it, and, and I have nothing to back this up whatsoever. And let me let me say that again. I have nothing to back this and up. And that's strictly me saying that. Well, like I've heard from a lot of folks that's tied into that whole area over there. And you just got to treat the people right. You have to. Well, and, and nobody has told me this. This is just me looking through my my stupid crystal ball. If I had to guess, we're not going to have a we're not going to have a baseball team in two years. I'm, I'm afraid of that. Yeah, I'm afraid of that. Yeah. I, I just don't think I don't think the desire is there to upgrade the stadium to get it to a score of eighty. Yeah. And well, you know, it fell off so bad this year. Like attendance, like we actually went to a couple of games, um, and I was really, for one, I know that's a big problem where you can't find people that want to work. That's a major problem. So they had a lot of problems with concessions. They can only open certain concession stands because they only had so much staff to work. Um, and I don't know, man, it just did not feel like it. It's kind of like, <laughs> this is the best analogy. It's when uh, stores started pulling out of Mount Berry. Oh, yeah. And you knew that it wasn't going to get any better after <laughs> after certain stores left, you know. So, um, I, it breaks my heart, you know. I, I want it to I want it to be there forever. I want to take my granddaughter to to baseball games. Uh, I'm glad the Braves are in Cobb County now; it's a little closer to me. But sure. man, I, I really want it for our community because I because we because we were talking in the very beginning how there was nothing here when we were growing up. Right, we always yeah. had to go to Buckhead or go to Atlanta. We uh-huh. never could. There was nothing new in Rome. Um, but I feel like when that stadium got built, when we got that stadium here, our little town grew up. Yeah. Like overnight. It was a big deal. It was huge for, for the whole entire uh, area. I mean, and to see it go, to go to waste, man, it's just like, what? Why? Why can we not put better heads together to figure out a way to make that thing just thrive. I don't, I don't know. And if you look at, if you look at Augusta, they built a brand new stadium across the river. Mm-hmm. Not too long ago. It's fantastic. Beautiful stadium. Yeah. Chattanooga's building a new stadium. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, Greenville, if you've been to Greenville stadium, it's, it's amazing. And so you have all these stadiums that have like housing around it or apartments around it. Yeah. It's, it, a, it's an experience. It's now. an experience. Yeah, you're you putting know? a ballpark right in the middle of a, of a neighborhood. Right. And I, I'm not saying that we can't pull it out or somebody in town can't pull it out to make it work. Yeah. 
but it's all I just I would I would be really surprised if we do because yeah. don't don't kid yourself man there are there are cities all over the state trying to steal the Rome Braves absolutely every day yeah every absolutely. day and if somebody comes up to them and says hey we will build you a new stadium and we will put apartments around it and you know we'll make it a private public partnership and we'll cut you in on XYZ and we'll give you tax abatements and all this other stuff Oh, they're going. They're, they're in it for money. For sure. They're in yeah, it for money. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, the, the minor league players need to get, be uh, properly treated. And they can't be properly treated if they're not making money. Sure. And so I, if if they were to, I hope they don't, but if they were to pull out, at some point I couldn't blame them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you don't take care of it, it's not going to stick around. Uh-uh. It's not going to grow. I mean, we even drove by the Huntsville Stadium, the Rocket City Trash Pandas. That's cool. Yeah, uh, cool. We name. actually went by their uh, their little store and and bought a couple of t shirts because it's a cool little logo, yeah. great name. But it's sponsored by Toyota. Do you have any insight on what the new name is at the stadium? No. Yeah, nobody knows that man. There are they're they're tight lipping that. Yeah. What would you want it to be? Um, I actually said, and this sounds a cliche. I I would call it the Gladiators, and I would name our stadium the Coliseum. That's pretty good. Because it's, yeah, I think that's what I would do. Yeah. That's what I would do, so. My coworker submitted the name Rome Gnomes. Yeah. And you know, she she envisioned, like, little gnomes all around the. On the end, on the uh, infant. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. That's a little, good. Bit, a little bit silly, a little bit like the trash pandas. Yeah. No, I think uh, uh, one of the best ones, I think, is, uh, is that Birmingham has the the biscuits or something, but their logo's a biscuit. It's pretty That's fun. pretty good. Yeah. They actually have a pretty good baseball team, too, so. Um, one of my good friends, his wife's brother is, uh, he does play by play for him. So really, I think it's the, I think it's the biscuits. I have to, I think it's Birmingham and it used to be the Barons, but oh, okay. it could be, I don't know. It but you know, be. like every, every good mid-sized Southern city, like what we were talking about earlier has a baseball team. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of a, that gets your foot in the door and, that, and you're not a decent mid-sized Southern city unless you have one like right. Asheville. Right. I mean, you know, Charleston. Yeah. Savannah. I mean, that Savannah Bananas, that's amazing. But, you know, I mean, to think about all the, I mean, Macon, Macon, I think they, we, we stole them from Macon, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. We, they, that's where the Braves, the Rome yeah. came from. Yeah. Uh, so Bra- I'm not sure Columbus has one or not, but I mean, I can think of a bunch of different. I, I want to say Columbus has, uh, um, they're the Fireflies. I, I don't think they're, um, I don't, I think they're the Mets. Used to be the Mets. I think Tim okay. Tebow was with them when he was coming up oh, through baseball that time. Yeah. So, um, another good thing I want to talk to you about too was I see you post a couple of things about this, and I think it, I, I I agree with you hundred percent. I don't know why we haven't followed through with this. Is uh, like a the river project that we could probably yeah. bring in. Man, why are we not using this river for? What are we doing with this river? We treat it like a back, a back backyard. Uh, yeah, like ditch. A, yeah, we're really, <laughs> I mean, we really, really do. do. Yeah, if you think about break out that paddle boat every once yeah. in a while. And, but if you think about the different places that you have to get down to the river, you've got one right beside or right behind Moe's Barbecue. Mm-hmm. You've got one across the river at the park. That's about it. Now I remember the Blizzard Park. Yeah, you Rivers remember park. when they built that boat launch? Oh there, yeah, and that, oh, was, that was like a disaster. A, yeah, they didn't. Whoever. Uh-uh. They didn't. That was a yeah, disaster. That, this thing was collecting yeah. tree limbs, and it was messing up the ecosystem. And it was just a big. And they ended up having to tear that. I wonder how much that thing cost. Oh gosh, I don't know. We can go back and find out. But it wasn't cheap. But I was on an inner city visit with a 
Chamber of Commerce, I don't know, five or six years ago, and we visited Chattanooga, and the mayor took some time out to come and talk to us. And what he said was really interesting. It kind of got me on the river thing. He's like, Chattanooga's master plan started at the river and worked its way backwards. Right. And He's, you can see that. You can see. You can absolutely yeah. Yeah. see that. And he said everything revolved we love around the river. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, we love Chattanooga. You can just tell that it's had a bunch of good decisions and good leadership for a very long time. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of wealthy people in Chattanooga that can help make that happen. Mm-hmm. But, the, I mean, the mayor said it started with the river. And everything revolved around that. And we just ignore, like, completely we completely ignore it. But everything around it is, oh, we're three rivers, you know, this three rivers, that, and three rivers, this. And that was the name of my roofing company. You know, but I mean, we just, we <laughs> treat it like a backyard ditch. We really yeah. do. Part of it is Alatoona. The core doesn't, you know, the core does what the core wants to do. Um, but there is a way to make our river walk where it doesn't interrupt the levee. Chicago did it where, um, you know those big circular columns that bridges have. Mm-hmm. So what Chicago did was they actually left the normal riverbank that was there on this. I think it's the South River, and they put those big concrete columns, and then they cantilevered everything out from the riverbank over on top of those concrete columns, and then they built these steel rings around the bottom of the concrete columns, and they put all this kind of stuff for fishing habitat. You know how you throw like a tree in a pond. Yep. So they did the same thing around those columns. But everything in Chicago is cantilevered out from the riverbank on top of those concrete columns. So if the if the South River, um, you know, floods, it just floods over the top of that levee or it floods over the top of that uh, cantilevered out concrete stuff. And when it goes back down, it goes back down. But the other thing they did is if you imagine you're looking at the bottom of a baseball stadium or football stadium and you see the concrete kind of staircase that Mm -hmm. the benches are built on top of uh chicago also did that at the very end of those concrete columns so they cantilevered out the walkway and then at the very end they put those concrete stairs and so no matter what the water level does you can walk down the stairs to get to the water and people park their boats up against it and do there's no reason that we can't do Something similar for sure. There's no reason we can't do something yeah. similar to that, and it doesn't it doesn't disrupt the fishing habitat. It uh, barely disrupts the levee, and we can have something amazing and beautiful down there. Instead, it just looks like an overgrown ditch. Yeah, it really does. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, there's really not any good access points to it, uh-uh. and it's. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's not really safe either. Mm-mm. The the areas that you can. Go get close to the water. Yeah, you don't want to eat the fish. No, no, no. Yeah, it was the thing that you, <laughs> for, for sure you fly over with uh, those. Uh, the military has uh, you can see the fish glowing in the Coosa River <laughs> from the helicopters. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, the one thing that is kind of close uh, to the river project that we that we were kind of talking about, they cleared out all the land over there. Um, there used to be a lot of uh, older buildings over there right across from Aventine. And I know that yeah. that's a project that they're trying to, I, I really don't know specifically what's coming in there. Um, do you, do you have an idea of kind of what we're, what we're looking at for the future, what they're trying to bring in there in that area? So what has been proposed in the city sold the land to a group of developers and it's called the Nova project in okay. NOVA. And they, their current plan is to build around 250 apartments 
It's five stories tall. Oh, so they're building apartments. Apartments, yeah. Now, I don't know at the end of the day if they're going to sell them like condos or if they're going to be apartments. But then there's also uh, a retail portion to that. And I think they're going to have a park over there. the park may be private or public. I'm not sure. But I gotcha. They have a they have a bunch of the last rendering I saw of all of it. It looked like they had a bunch of cool stuff planning to go over there. But I was I, thinking shops and restaurants. Yeah, there might be some. There's probably going to be some shops and restaurants over there for Good. sure. But okay. The, the specifics are kind of kind of up in the air because my guess is when they started, they said, "Oh, we're going to have these 100 things." Because the first time we actually heard about it was in 2020. And now they're actually getting around to build to gotcha. build it, and so maybe they can only do seventy five out of the hundred things because the way costs are going. Sure, yeah, man, materials are it's insane. It's insane. It's insane. Um, and then the last thing, some more good news, I guess, for our area, uh, which I thought was huge, and I think it's. Uh, I was kind of surprised to be honest with you when I saw it. Uh, Microsoft's building a, a facility here in our town, and that, I mean that. That's potentially a lot of jobs and yeah, um, yeah. kind of putting us on a techie type map yeah, a little bit. It's a, it's, it was it was surprising. Well, we know so much for our our medical facilities is now maybe we're going into the tech yeah side of things. Well, it's something, and and I personally didn't have anything to do with bringing Microsoft, so I want to say that up front. But I I have been preaching mainly, I guess, because of my age, our age, uh, because I know. <laughs> we don't have interstate access and we will never have proper interstate access. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, putting your, I'm okay with that. Putting your punter in as, as a quarterback yeah. and, you know, last play of the Super Bowl. It's just stupid. We shouldn't rely on interstate access. We shouldn't. Sure. And so we need, we need to be focusing on things that do not rely on interstate access. Data centers. Perfect. Anything to do with tech. Perfect. Like you don't have to be anywhere near an interstate to do that. Right. So Gordon County, Calhoun, Adairsville, Bartow County, Cartersville, they have been kicking our butt for years when it comes to industrial recruitment. And what I've been saying all along is we can't compete with them. We just can't. No. Just, you know, it's if, if you were to bring a CEO and drop them off at Hartsfield, drive them up 75, and then take them off of any of the exits that get off at Bartow or Cartersville or Daresville or Calhoun or Gordon, and then they have to drive another 30 minutes to get to Rome. They're like, why, why would I want to be here when 30 minutes ago I just passed a city yeah. or a county that already has access to the interstate in all these industrial parks? Why would I want to do that? So the important thing about Microsoft is tech companies like good quality of life. Good quality of life, good quality experience. So things like Broad Street, right? Uh, chef-driven restaurants, um, good schools. Uh, you know, all these things that make a place fun to live is what the tech companies are looking for. Greenville is a great example of this. Greenville actually focused instead of trying to do industrial recruitment, the city now, not the county surrounding Greenville, because the county surrounding Greenville has like BMW. In Mercedes, where they build the Sprinter vans, and I, I think, or maybe that's Charleston. Anyways, they, I know they have BMW. Um, the city of Greenville focused on making their city beautiful and fun to live in. And the result of that was a lot of young professionals actually moved to Greenville and then tried to find a job because that's the way that millennials and Gen Z work. Like us Xers and the boomers, we would look for a job and then move to a city. They look for a city move there, and then look for a job. 
And so the current economic, it's, it's bizarre, it's right? Scary. And yeah, so that's terrifying. why places like Asheville and Charleston and Greenville and all these other places had just blew up overnight because everybody liked what was there and they moved there and then they tried to find a job. And so the phenomenon that happened behind that is all the people that were looking for talent and recruitment wound up moving to those cities. And so like, you know, you, you go to Greenville and you see like this big, there's a big building downtown that's Citibank, I think. Well, Citibank probably had one or two branches in Greenville until they realized that everybody that they needed to survive as a good company was actually in Greenville. Yeah. And then they located a big headquarters there. And that's, that's the current model. The, 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 the people who are, who own the companies follow the talent where it used to be the talent would come to the companies. Now the companies come to the talent. And so Rome has a sliver of that yeah. at the moment. And if we're smart over the next 10 years, we'll start to build an ecosystem around tech that will bring more companies like Microsoft into town. But the way that we build that ecosystem is to make sure that our trails are amazing, that we have a good baseball team, that we have fun things to do, that we have amazing restaurants, that our downtown is, is you know, thriving and vibrant. But the other part of that is people have to have somewhere to live. Yeah. Because right now the city and, we're, of Car- and they're building so much right now too. Like we, I mean, it's oh, sorry about that, but we, We've been building, I mean, there's several more really nice apartment complexes are being built. Like it's, yeah, uh, the housing uh, situation is getting, it's growing. It's, it's, which is odd, I think, but it's growing. It's growing and it's, it's difficult to build a subdivision in the city, mm-hmm. not so much in the county. Right. Apartments are a little bit easier. But who we're competing against at the end of the day is Cartersville. Oh, yeah. They're blowing up. Oh, my God. It's exploded. Cartersville has a plan. Somebody who's familiar with the inner workings of Cartersville told me last week that Cartersville has a plan in seven years to double their population. Wow. And the city of Cartersville is focusing on housing and not apartments. They're letting the county focus on apartments. The city of Cartersville is focusing on focusing on housing. Yeah. Because they want to double their population from like 24 to 48,000 people yeah. in seven years. And they have a plan for that. And they're actively working that plan. Mm-hmm. We don't have anything like that. Yeah. Nothing. It's like, okay, well, if it comes, bro- if it comes that's bro- great. Fix it. Yeah. You know, it's like, but, but we can't, if we want to be a, recruitment center for talent that people actually will move here because they can find a place to live and they have fun things to do. And it's a good place to raise a family. Yeah. You don't, they don't want to move somewhere where they have to drive an hour to go do something, right? You know, or drive a drive 30 minutes or an hour to go find some good food. Nobody or, wants to deal with traffic. Yeah, no. And so we're going to lose all, if we don't get our act together, we're going to lose all of our people to Cartersville. Mm-hmm. And if we really don't get our act together, all of the money that's coming in to build those battery plants and all that stuff like that, they're going to buy most of Kingston sure, before it's over. And they're going to build Kingston's their own city. Kingston's going to grow there. up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why would they, you know, if, if Rome isn't willing to play ball, you know, then with housing, then why should they come here when they can? There's how much property between here and Kingston? Tons. 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 They'll just build all that up and they won't even mess with us. Right. Right. So we got to, we have to get in a growth mindset. And we have to do it now. Yeah. We're already behind the eight ball. And if, if we can't crank that up like overnight, then we're going to lose. Yeah. And, and everybody that would have normally followed a Microsoft is not going to follow it. Yeah. And what we're hurting is the future of, uh, 
of the city as well because our kids aren't going to stay here. Yeah, we're hurting. Like we're talking about your our kids, kids. We're hurting my they're, kids. They're gone. We're hurting everybody's yeah, kids. They're not yeah. going to stay here. So. Yeah, they're going to move to Cartersville, yeah. which is is fine. Yeah, but you know why why do that when 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 Rome, we have all the resources here? Rome has it. all the bones to be an amazing place, an amazing place. I can't agree with you more. Um, I appreciate your time. I know um, I. I was so glad to be able to get you get in here and talk and kind of go over some things uh, that I know a lot of people have questions about. And I think you probably cleared up a lot of confusion and answered a ton of questions. Uh, And you probably made people aware of things that they had no idea uh, that uh, that's going on. That's super important that needs to get a, I won't say a stranglehold on, but, it needs yeah. to get wrangled in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, and to be fair to all the other commissioners and everybody who came before me, it took me three years in just taking the right class to learn to write that, to learn to ask the right question. Otherwise I would have, I would have never sure. known to ask business as usual. We yeah. just keep, keep going as, right? as it is. Yeah. And so it, uh, it, it's, it, it's frustrating and it needs to get fixed. And I'm not saying it's anybody's fault. I'm not because I think this has been in place for a very long time and everybody has just inherited what's here. Sure. And the people from 40 years ago probably, probably inherited what was there 40 years before. Right. And so I'm not blaming anybody, but we're at a point. We now, hopefully everybody acknowledges it's a problem that needs to get fixed. Let's fix it. Yeah. Let's fix it. Got to work together and fix it. Yeah. For the better of our community. That's right. That's what you're there for. So, so I'm up for reelection on Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday. So vote. Well, you'll get our vote for sure. Yeah, well, so. if, if if you if you don't like me, that's fine. Don't vote for me. But just go vote. Just go vote, man. Yeah, voting is important. So. Make it, it makes a difference. So. Yeah, Mark, I appreciate you. Hey, Rob, I appreciate and, you. Uh, and let's get back in here when we got some uh, some other things that's coming up. Uh, we ain't got to talk politics. We can talk about whatever. So. Heck yeah, I'd love to do that. All right, man. It's good to see you. Have a good evening. Thanks. All right, take care. Appreciate good luck it. in the polls. All right. <laughs>